Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, last week for Mother's Day, didn't Rachel do a fantastic job? My goodness, I'm a little intimidated now. I've got to follow last week's message. I'm a little insecure. That girl brought such a great word. And super excited. I want to teach you this week and next week out of our one-year Bible reading, okay? If you're, who's still tracking along with the one-year Bible? Okay, three of us. Okay, praise the Lord. Who's still reading their Bible? Come on in Jesus' name. I, I, my prayer for you is that you would just dial into the Word of God this summer. I'm just declaring this. This will be a summer of love where you are going to fall in love with the Word of God. You know, I want you to get in the Word and God's Word to get inside of you. When His Word is in you, it causes dead things to come to life. When you have God's Word at work inside of you, man, there's power. There's supernatural things that happen. And so I want to teach you today and and next Sunday, I want to teach you out of our one-year Bible reading. uh, As you get into this book, this book gets inside of you. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, this was our reading actually yesterday. If you're tracking along, you read 1 Samuel 16 yesterday, and it's the beginning of the, the story of King David. It's, it's a story of humble beginnings, and I love to see how God just takes a simple shepherd boy and turns him into a king. So the title of the message today is simply this, From Shepherd to King, From Shepherd to to king. Look at what the scripture says, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Bible says this, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You've mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Now I want you to circle that olive oil, underline that. We'll get back to that toward the end of the message. But this is an important event that's about to happen in the, in the history of of the nation of Israel. He says, I want you to fill your flask with oil, go to Bethlehem, and find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, Lord, how can I do that? If King Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Well, the Lord replied, take a heifer with you and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? You know, when the prophet would visit the town or the community, everybody paid attention. Samuel walked in such power and authority. Hey, is everything okay? You're not normally here. What are you doing here? The Bible says this in verse 5. Samuel said, yes, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. So purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now let me give you some context here and why this is such a significant moment in the nation of Israel. Saul had been king for about 25 years. And Saul had some great moments, but he also had some terrible moments. Saul had begun to drift. I want to tell you, there's a danger in drifting. 
He started out great, but he ended up in a terrible place. How many of you know you can be a good person and still end up in a bad place? Started out with the favor of God and was victorious and conquering things in the name of the Lord. And he, he built altars unto the Lord. But he reached a point where he started to take credit for the things that God was doing. And he went from building altars to the Lord to constructing monuments unto himself. And his disobedience had consequences. And so the Lord had rejected him as king. And God speaks to Samuel, the prophet, and says, I want you to go to the house of Jesse because from his house, I will instruct you to anoint the next king of Israel. Well, Samuel's concerned because this is considered treason. Man, if, if he were to do this and Saul was aware, I mean, it could cost him his life. And so God says, well, go and perform a, a ritual sacrifice. And through this process, then I'll begin to show you the one that I've chosen. Now, in this passage, we're going to see three things. And this is going to guide our conversation this morning. I want you to write these things down. We're going to see the search for a king. We're going to see the heart of a shepherd. And then we're going to see the spirit of God. The search of a king, the heart of a shepherd and the Spirit of God. Look at what it says in verse 6. So when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, People judge by the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. Can I have a better amen? amen? Oh, I'm so glad that God looks on the inside. You know, now who is Samuel? Samuel was the last judge of Israel and the first in a line of prophets. We see the, the history of the nation. It hinges on this moment. We're coming out of a period of the judges, and now we're stepping into the time of kings. Samuel was the kingmaker. He was the one who anointed Saul 25 years before, saying, you will be the first king of Israel. So here comes Samuel. He grew up, you know, in the tabernacle. He, he heard the voice of the Lord his whole life. If anybody's going to get it right, it should be the prophet. Can I tell you, even the prophet misses it from time to time. He looked at, 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 at Jesse's first son, Eliab, and at one glance, the Bible says, the Scripture says he took one look. How many of you know you can look the first time and not see everything you need to see? I'm thinking, come on, Samuel ought to be able to get it right. As soon as he sings, sees Eliab, he says, surely this is the one. Have you ever been so convinced of something and you just knew you were right? You were convinced in your soul? If you were a betting person, you would bet the, all the odds on this, and yet you got it wrong. Am I talking to anybody in here today? Even the best of us miss it. And I remember being in, in Florida a number of years ago at a conference uh, with a group of pastors. And one pastor friend came to me and he said, hey, Mike, listen, I, I know that you're a big college basketball fan and you love Duke, Duke basketball. Now, listen, i got to make a confession. I love Coach K and I am a diehard Duke basketball fan. I know for some of you, I've lost some points. <laughs> Rachel's not real excited about that because Duke is the Blue Devils. And she's like, how can a preacher cheer, cheer for the devils? 
She's got a point, all right? She's got a point. But I have followed Duke basketball my whole life, and I, I, I absolutely love Christian Leitner. I know there's a, there's a documentary on I hate Christian Leitner, why he's the most hated college basketball player in NCAA history. I love Christian Leitner because I, I love Duke, and he plays for my favorite team. And so this pastor friend came to me and said, Mike, listen, I know you're a Duke fan, and listen, I don't know if you realize this, but Christian Leitner is a member of my congregation. Would you like to meet Christian Leitner? I said, well, let me pray about it. Yes, Lord, I think I will. <laughs> so he said, I'm having coffee with him this afternoon. In fact, Tony Finical was with me, and I see him here today, one of my trustees. So Tony and I adjusted our return flights. We said, man, we got to go meet Christian. We got to. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So we stopped by a sports apparel shop, and we had to get some stuff for Christian to sign. And I'm texting Rachel. I said, hey, Rachel, tell Trevor that I'm having coffee with Christian Leitner. I'm going to get some autographs. It's going to be amazing. So we go by the sports apparel shop and pick up shirts and hats. And, and then we kind of walk into the coffee shop and just try to play it cool, right? You know, yeah, not intimidated, not infatuated, but inside I'm like, oh, that's Christian Leitner. I love you. Just kind of starstruck, but playing it real cool. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, my name's Mike. Baton Rouge, man, go Duke. So we spent about an hour, hour and a half with him. He signed the stuff for us, was so gracious. I got home, and I'm like, Trevor, look, check this out. Man, here's, here's this hat. It's this white hat with a blue D. Check it out. He signed this Duke hat. And Trevor looked at the hat, and he turned around in the back, and it had an NFL logo on it, <laughs> National Football League. He says, Dad, what is this Duke hat? Ha why does it have an NFL logo on the back? Well, it wasn't Duke. It was Dallas. <laughs> True story. Tony, hey, am I telling the truth? We got Christian Leitner to sign a Dallas Cowboy football hat. I bet that we probably have the only two hats. We could sell them on eBay and make a whole lot of money. He probably signed those hats thinking, these poor, pitiful Cajuns. <laughs> they don't know. Sometimes you think you get it right. Listen, Samuel took one look at Jesse's oldest son and said, surely he's the one. Let me tell you, you might need to look again. The Bible says that the world judges by externals. But God looks at internals. In fact, I want you to write this down. The external, that's what the world searches for. That's what the world values. The world puts so much stock in appearances, in popularity, in what's successful, in looks, in clothes, the clothes that you wear, the cars that you drive, the house that you live in. Even social media today, it's all based on image. Sometimes we get on social media and we like to portray a certain image because the world puts so much stock in externals. Jesus began to critique the Pharisees because they looked the part on the outside, but they were empty on the inside. Here's what Jesus had to say. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're so careful to clean the outside of the cup of, and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. He says, you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. How many of you know you can dress up the outside and still be rotten on the inside? 
My prayer for us as believers is we can't just take a glance and make a decision. You, you got to get vision for something that's a little deeper than what's on the outside. You know, the world looks from the outside in, but God starts from the inside out. If the world values externals, God sets value on the internal. God is not interested in charisma as much as he is in character. It's not how you look, but how you live. Come on, help me today. And we've got to shift our focus from what the world thinks is so important to what God values most. You see, Saul, the Bible says King Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. He was tall and he was handsome. He had it going on on the outside, but on the inside he was broken and empty. Can I take a moment to talk to the singles that are among us? Come on, if you're single and ready to mingle, let me see your hand today. All right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. You want to find the right person, you got to look in the right place. Come on. But ladies, just because he's handsome doesn't mean he's holy. Fellas, just because she's gorgeous doesn't mean she's godly. Come on, talk to me. What are you saying, pastor? Are you saying that if I get married, I mean to marry somebody ugly? No, I'm not saying that. Don't marry ugly and think that it pleases God. <laughs> hey, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes straight to the bone. Hmm. Man, don't get caught up in externals or infatuated by, by what you see. There is an unseen realm. We're going to see in the life of David that God was doing something inside of him and nobody else could see it. God's way more concerned with, with what's happening inside of you than what's going on around you. Are you catching this? Uh, I just want to encourage all those that are single. And God sees the desire that you have for relationship. But let me, let me just caution you. If you're in a relationship, take it slow. Get to know. Somebody say, take it slow. Say, get to know. Not everything that glitters is gold. You need to apply some patience. Please do not let loneliness or hormones be in the driver's seat of your decisions. I'm saying this because I love you. Some of us have, have been in a whole lot of pain and created a whole lot of mess because we've judged based on outside appearance. Externals have gotten us in a lot of trouble. But if we'll put more value on what's happening inside the soul of an individual... I'm going to tell how old I am by sharing this story. I remember, I remember the talk show, Phil Donahue. Anybody remember Phil Donahue? Okay. For those of you that are millennials, Google Phil Donahue. He's kind of the original. This was before, uh, who were who some of the popular talk? Before Dr. Phil, before Oprah Winfrey, you know, before Jerry Springer, <laughs> Sally Jesse Raphael. Remember Sally Jesse? Okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Phil Donahue said this. He said, in my entire professional career, there's only one pastor that I ever respected. He shared this story, and I never forgot it. He said, I, I, I grew up working. I did an internship in a small town in West Virginia, and I was working for the local news station. 
And he said there was a, it was a coal mining town, and so that was the industry of the region. There was a terrible explosion that happened in one of those coal mines. And out of that disaster, there were dozens of people that died. And so working for the news station, I, I went out to cover the accident. And it was a bitter cold day, he said, when I jumped in my little Volkswagen, I grabbed my camcorder, and I went out to the scene to, to try to video and catch some footage and, and, and conduct some interviews. He said, I pulled up onto the, to the scene. I saw all the emergency vehicles. and He said, I looked over to the side, and there was this huge man with long arms, and he was praying over families, uh, families that had lost husbands and, and, and fathers and, and brothers and sons, and they were weeping and he wrapped his arms around him. I knew that had to be the pastor. So I grabbed my camcorder to capture that moment. But he said it was so bitter cold that the the lens was frozen. So I had to rub it, started blowing on it and try to warm it up. And by the time I got my video camera working, the prayer was over and they had disbanded and were walking away. He said, I ran up to that pastor and I said, hey, I'm from the local news station. I'd like to capture this moment. Can you do the prayer again? He said it was the first time I'd ever had anybody turn me down for a spot on TV. He said that pastor looked at me and said, young man, I have prayed and I will not pose. Integrity is not a pose. Purity is not just some showcase of showing off. Man, it's what happens inside the heart of a man that God cares about the most. Man judges by outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You see, in this search for a king, God cares about matters of the heart. Number two, let's look at the heart of a shepherd. Verse eight, then Jesse told his son Abinadab, hey, you step forward. Now it's your turn to walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, All seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord's not chosen any of these. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? All seven, are there any more? Jesse replied, well, they're they're still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Now get this. Imagine what Samuel must be thinking. After Eliab walks by, he thought, surely this is the one. God said, no, you're judging by externals. I care about the heart. Then here comes Abinadab. Here comes Shimei. Here comes all seven sons. And God says, no, 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 no. And then Samuel asks, are these all the sons that you have? Listen, never settle in your search. In your search for God's best, never settle for less. In fact, I would say this, do your diligence, apply patience, and then walk in God's best for your life. 
do your diligence. you got to take inventory. Man, you've got to apply some patience to this decision-making process. If you'll do your diligence and apply patience, I guarantee you God's best will come right in front of you. Where was David when all of this was happening? It's almost like a beauty pageant, a showcase. Of, you know, America's got talent, and they're all trying out for, man, I want to be king. I want to be king. What about me? Right here. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Where was, Samuel's a powerful prophet. This is an important moment. Where was David when all of this was happening? He was out in the sheep field, just tending sheep and goats. You think about that task. Man, doing the same thing day after day after day. David didn't even get invited to the party. The prophet came to Jesse's house and and Jesse didn't even think about his son. In fact, when he said, they're still the youngest, if you look that up in the Hebrew, it can be translated as the least important. Have you ever felt overlooked? You know, have you ever felt overlooked even by your own family? I mean, David's dad didn't think that David was king material. Didn't even consider him. You know, you think about the value. What was going on in David's mind? Here he's just doing his diligence. Then he's patiently serving the flock. And then he gets word that the prophet wants to see him. You got to come to the house. And here comes David. I love this because it's easy. Some of you are here today and you feel overlooked. You feel unseen. Maybe you don't even feel valued to your own family. God sees you. God sees you. You see, we're going to talk in a, next Sunday. We'll talk about David and Goliath. We'll talk about the battlefield. But what was it that got David ready for the battlefield? It was the sheep field. You see, something was happening in private when nobody was watching. God's doing something. Some of you are in a hidden season. You feel overlooked. You don't feel valued. You know, value is kind of a funny thing. I mean, consider this. A bottle of water. If you were to buy a bottle of water from the grocery store, how much would you pay for it? Maybe a dollar? A couple dollars at best? Okay, take that same bottle of water and then purchase it from a hotel. What you going to pay for it then? Yeah, five, six, seven bucks. Take that same bottle of water and try to buy it at the airport. <laughs> You'd be paying $15 for the same bottle. Same bottle, same brand, different prices. Why? Because of the environment. Can I tell you this? God sees your value. And he can get you, oh, that's good now. He can get you from the back of the line. Man, David had seven, seven other brothers that were in front of him. Some of you feel like you're hidden out to pasture. Some of you feel like you're way, way out and you don't feel valued. God is doing something in private so he can bless you in public. You may not feel valued in your current place, but God can locate you and help you change places. Promotion comes from God and not from man. Don't let man set your value. Let God place value on you. Maybe you are in a hidden season. Maybe you are in the sheep field. It's who you're becoming when nobody's watching that matters most to God. You see, everybody wants to, the, the, to talk about David the king, but you'll never appreciate David the king until you first know David the shepherd. 
Mm. You see, the heart of a shepherd, what kind of heart is God looking for? A heart of compassion. You see, a shepherd feeds the sheep, spends time with the sheep, cares for the sheep, does the faithful diligence day after day, compassion. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You want to add value to somebody? Take time with them. Listen to them. One of my favorite things to do at the church is just in between services, before and after services, I just love being with people. I just love getting a chance to say hello, building relationships, listening, taking time. It's, it's not the stage. It's, it's not the, the microphone that energizes me. It's being with the sheep. The heart of a shepherd is what matters to God. Having compassion, that's what God's looking for. Walking in courage. You know, a shepherd, a shepherd's got to protect the sheep. A shepherd has to defend the sheep. Part of my responsibility is to protect and nurture what God is doing in your soul. Man, I'm going to ward off the wolves because there are a lot of wolves out there. Man, there are a lot of things out there. I want you to hear this, and I feel impressed in my spirit to say this because I know that in this information age, it's easy to go on YouTube or to pull up a podcast and listen to anything that's out there. But you got to be careful what you allow in your soul because not everything that sounds good is God. And if you're not convinced in the authority of this book right here, then you'll be a slave to whatever sounds good. You know, a lot of people love to critique the church, and, a lot of, and they love to criticize or, or condemn the ministries or the message that comes from the church. I want you to know, guard your heart. Stay under the care of a shepherd. Stay connected to spiritual family, and let this book be the compass that guides your decisions. If it doesn't line up with this book, discard it. It amazes me how people can be so critical of the bride of Christ. Oh, it, it just turns my stomach. Uh, it grieves my soul to, to hear people sizing up the church and blasting different ministries and pastors and, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Let me ask you this. Husbands, let somebody talk about your bride like that. You say, whoa, 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 wait, that's my bride. I can say things that you'll never be able to say. And Jesus looks at the bride of Christ and he says, no, 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 no. You don't criticize. You don't condemn. She belongs to me. The church belongs to the Lord. Jesus died for the church. He gave his life for the church. He's redeeming the church. He's preparing the bride for his return. A part of the responsibility of a shepherd is not only compassion but courage making sure that the sheep are healthy. But then there's the consistency. A shepherd has to walk in consistency, faithfully in the pasture. And what you'll see in David's life is, here's the amazing parallel. I love this connection because I think it definitely is intentional in how the Bible rolls out David's life. But you see his faithfulness in the pasture, and it leads to his fruitfulness in the palace. David was a man after God's own heart. And through the, the exploits of David, God would do tremendous things in the nation of Israel. But his faithfulness in the pasture was the seed that produced fruitfulness in the palace. Are you catching this? You know, some of you, God has you at the back of the line. 
Some of you are in a sheep field, and maybe you're not necessarily doing everything that's in your heart, but God is testing your faithfulness right now. Years ago, I remember Pastor Dino came to me and said, listen, I was the youth pastor, college pastor, and so all I knew was next gen, next gen ministry. And he says, we need you to step into our missions pastor role. God's doing some great things on the mission field, and and we need you to, to run point on that. And honestly, when he asked me to do that, I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel like that was in my wheelhouse. A missionary? I, mean, I don't know much about the mission field. I have a heart for the local church, but I feel like I'm a pastor. And, man, you know, God's, God's given me a gift for relationships and communication, but I don't know anything about the mission field. Five years I served as the missions pastor of this church. And then in 2012, stepped into the lead role as the lead pastor of HPC. And looking back, what was that five-year period about in my life? I wasn't here a lot. You know, I wasn't a part of the teaching rotation. Kind of felt disconnected. I'm out on the mission field. I mean, every, every month I was in a foreign country. Rachel was like a single mom raising kids by herself. And she's like, baby, I don't know how much more grace I have. You traveling the world and I'm, I'm changing diapers. But I look back at that five-year period, and now it makes sense. It was a hidden season for me. I, I, I didn't feel like I was in the, the, the stream of activity, making things happen. But God was doing something in my heart. He was trying to prepare me. He knew that my vision had to get larger. If we were going to be a healing place for a hurting world, and I was going to serve as the lead pastor, I had to grow. So you know what God said? Go to the mission field so you can see what I'm doing around the world so that HPC can continue to be a healing place for a hurting world. Come on, are you with me? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. God can find you in the back of the line and put you in a place of prominence. God sees you. God's preparing you. You know what's cool, though, is can you serve without being seen? Can you do it for the applause of one? Uh, let me ask you this. Can you do it for the cause and not worry about the applause? Sometimes we do things just for the applause and we forget the cause. No, no, no. If God sends you somewhere and he puts something in your hand, maybe nobody else sees it or celebrates it, but God's watching. Can you do it for the, for the cause and trust him with the applause? Number one, the search for a king. Number two, the heart of a shepherd. Number three, look at the spirit of God. This is where we're going to finish. The spirit of God. Jesse sins for David. The Bible says he was dark and handsome. Come on now. Looked good on the outside and was golden on the inside. Ladies, that's what you want. That's what you want. Beautiful eyes, the Bible says. The Lord said to, to Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, I think this is so cool. David is now front and center. And guess who's watching? All of his brothers. They weren't thinking about him when he was tending the sheep. Jesse, his own dad, wasn't even on his radar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, there's, there's one son. <laughs> Go get him. Go get David. The Bible says that in front of his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. 
and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You see, David was faithful in private, and so God anointed him in public. Now, this is a, a powerful picture because in the Old Testament, we'll see some things that are, are physical rituals, but it points to a spiritual reality. And what Samuel was doing with that oil, that oil represented the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I thought about bringing some olive oil up here, but then I thought, man, that'd get really messy. But you know, it, it, the Bible says that Samuel took that flask and just poured it over David in front of his brothers. I love it. God has the last word. And this oil, it just runs all over this young shepherd boy. History tells us he was maybe 15, 16 years old. Just a teenager. Just a, a shepherd. And yet there was oil that flowed from his head all over his body. And it was a picture of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says from that day forward, a power came upon this young shepherd boy. And you know the story. You, you, you know, I mean, history tells of the exploits of David. But he never did it in his own strength. He can look back to that moment and see where he was anointed by the prophet and the power of the Holy Spirit rested upon him. I want to encourage us, whether you're in the pasture watching sheep or whether you're in the palace as a king, you've got to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost on your life. You need the Spirit of God to rest upon you. You need God to empower you, to equip you. You say, well, Mike, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary. Listen, you need an anointing as a mama. Come on, mamas, talk to me. You need an anointing when you go to that work and you're working that job and it's dark and it's difficult. You need the power of the Holy Spirit on you. Students, you need an anointing in school. Come on. When you're on that campus and in that classroom, you can't do this in your own strength. The good news is you don't have to do it in your own strength. He says, I will be with you and I will empower you. And when I, when I consider my life, I say, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Oh, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, anoint me with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because the anointing is all I have. That's all I have. <laughs> I'm not a shepherd boy, but I'm from the, the trailer parks of southeast Missouri, from a small town called Fredericktown. You've never heard of Fredericktown. You've never been to Fredericktown. You don't want to go to Fredericktown. <laughs> not much to it. I know I'm not talented. I know I'm not the, the most charismatic, the most gifted. The mo I don't have the raw materials. I don't have the resume. Listen, David had no resume, but he had a king that believed in him. Man, he had a prophet that anointed him, and he had the power of the Holy Spirit. God don't care about your resume. I'll tell you this, God does not care about appearances. He wants your heart. And if he has your heart, he'll anoint you with the Holy Ghost. And listen, I'd rather have one ounce of anointing than 10,000 pounds of talents. I don't care about the talent if it's not surrendered to the Lord. God's anointing isn't on it. Sing your song, but if you're not singing under the anointing, it's not going to make a difference. Come on. 
I wonder if there's somebody here today say, Pastor, I want to do life under the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. If that's you, would you lift up your hands all in this place? Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. Come on. If that's you, stand up right where you are. Say, Pastor, I want to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. I need the power of God's Spirit as a mom, as a dad, as a student. I need that on my job. Man, maybe things are difficult in your current reality, and you're feeling like, man, I don't have the strength to do it on my own. I'm telling you, you don't have to. The Spirit of God can rest upon you. I wonder if there's somebody else here today say, Pastor, pray for me. I feel like I'm overlooked. Maybe you're in the sheep field. Maybe nobody's paying attention to you. No, ain't nobody thinking about you. In fact, you feel overlooked. Uh, you feel unseen, unwanted. Man, you feel like, man, there's nothing happening in your life. I'm telling you, when nothing's happening, something's happening. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.